0: Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Har, and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please take Tune in to the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you, and enjoy your podcast.
1: You're at the dynasty crossroads that feel me. Chicken okay. or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so Jake on the table and Ape on the place, though. Pete enumerates the place, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that Close. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that yeah. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats nice. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars Dropping bombs without no borders, dick got that eye, I like mortar Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore I am at a crossroad. chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road Go, clicking a pole, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so Jake on the table and on the play so P in Rumo, it's a the plaza analytical Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a pole, Twitter is gold, play run fold so Jake on the table and on the play so P in numero it's a the plaza analytical.
0: Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name's Peter Howard at P A Howdy on Twitter. I'm here as I am every week with Jake Anderson at Jake Anderson FF on Twitter. We talk about one player at a time from both a college and an analytics perspective to try to come to some sort of consensus or at least an enjoyable argument uh, of some sort. Um, continuing our attempt to do things a little bit differently. Um, in the off-season, especially until we get a lot more information about the rookie class. Um, this week we're actually going to shake it up a little bit. We put out a poll, as we do most weeks, on our Dynasty Crossroads handle at Dino Crossroads. And it seemed like everyone was a little bit popular. or everyone There was a decent proportion of everyone that voted that wanted to hear about every player on there. So, um, Jake, I think what we've decided to do is just do smaller... Like, five-minute-ish takes on everyone, basically, right?
2: Yeah, we're going to talk about seven players tonight because uh, the running back group that we put out there, there were some comments about a different running back that people wanted to talk about, so we just threw him in there, too. We are definitely running out of our wheelhouse this week, so... Uh bear with us. We're going to try to get through this the best we can and not uh talk too much about each one of these prospects, but you know it's draft season. People want to find out about these guys and um I'm certainly interested to hear what you have to say about some of these guys that I'm not sure how you feel about and uh yeah, see where we come to in the end.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. It's a little bit um us trying to do a more regular podcast you know, see how the other half live um, (laughs) do smaller takes and try and cover a lot rather than digging in on one specific thing so I I think it should be fun actually Um, and like you said, I'm actually really interested to see what you hear about some of these players we haven't even gotten close to the tight end position so it'll be interesting to see what you think of that as well we're gonna go one player at a time still um and talk uh, and like i said just try and give a decent overview of how we feel about them and why i have no idea what order we're gonna go in <laughs> i really don't um so uh, it's, it's kind of on the fly this week uh, to be honest um do you have a favorite or a preference or do you want to talk about one position over yeah. another first
2: yeah i just i mean i uh, why don't we go in order, if that's okay with you, with order that uh, I have all my notes on these guys. We're going to go running backs, and then we're going to go wide receivers, then we'll finish with tight ends. Can we
0: start off with David Montgomery? I was listening to the greatest podcaster's podcast for fantasy football last night, The Open Bar, with J. Mike and uh, Gabe Greering, who, by the way, also recorded us a second theme song. Not that we don't love our Zach Reed original, Um, which is awesome. He's from the Dynasty Dummies, just in case any of you are silly enough not to follow them, listen to them, and also know about Zach. Um, But our other favorite uh, musical podcaster, Gabe Gearing from the Open Bar, actually created us as a second theme song. So you probably have already heard that since this comes after the the theme song. So uh, we'd like to say um, thanks to Gabe for that. I should probably mention it off the bat. I just completely forgot that comes first. Uh, I think it's pretty awesome, Jake.
2: It's really cool. It's probably out of our wheelhouse a little bit but uh right it's really different but yeah, i like that i like it i like it you know we love gay we love zach and uh i guess the next process is getting those two in studio together just to make a unified intro song for our podcast <laughs> that,
0: that would be that would be epic um yeah i really don't know how i'm gonna use two great theme songs because you can't tear me away from zach's so i really yeah. like it well, um,
2: one is the intro, one is an uh, outro. i
0: I'll, I'll mix it up or something. Yeah, we'll do something, but yeah, um <laughs> thanks to him for that. But anyway, on the open bar, Gabe Gearing's um podcast with J Mike Check, uh who is also awesome, there were not a lot of high opinions on David Montgomery last night. I think you listened to it as well. It was
2: I actually missed my my phone died and I actually missed that whole conversation. And oh, I came back right. to the, the very end where I heard a um Jamal Williams comparison and I almost threw up, so Right, right. You have, um, to, you have to fill me in on that conversation. Yeah, I
0: think he got drafted in there like the rookie mock draft for that show at like 106 or something yeah. and I thought that was really strange since what I had mostly heard, and I try not to listen to other people while I'm evaluating, obviously, but um, based on what I had looked at as well, he's one of the most productive all-round running backs in the class, and easily the 1.1, 1. 1. and I think you said that too, mm-hmm. or at least the running back. So I was really surprised, and even when he got selected, um, I forget who selected him, but even he was a little like, well, there's no one else I really want, and I didn't think that was going to be the opinion on Montgomery. So I think I'd be really interested to hear, because I think you're a lot higher than, yeah, he's okay, on Montgomery. So um do you want to start off with him? Um is he the first on your notes list or Yeah he
2: is actually. Great.
0: Um so why don't you tell me a little more. Why should we actually be more excited about Montgomery?
2: <laughs> sure. So for for starters, Montgomery is a running back out of Iowa State. You know he's right around that six foot mark, about two hundred and twenty pounds. I like him a lot. Now, if he was in last year's class or the twenty seventeen class, I mean he wouldn't he wouldn't be at the top of those lists. Like last year, he probably would have been around the Sony Michelle tier for me, probably at running back four or five. Right. But in this class, you know I, I've talked we've talked about this running back class, this wide receiver class. Um, but especially running back classes is, is pretty weak as of right now. And I've said that Josh Jacobs is, is could close on that. But as of right now, David Montgomery is my clear RB one in this class. And if you know me at all, I'm a big cream hunt fan. And um, I was for a long time. And, and that's, that's my comp for David Montgomery. He's not a wow athlete. I doubt he's going to test extremely well, but, He's just he's just a really good football player. He's He's a natural receiver. I think he was actually underutilized at Iowa State as a receiver. Uh, his coaching staff say that he could have actually played wide receiver for the team. He's that good. He's got these really good jump cuts, <coughs> really good feet. Excuse me, I got a little bit of a cold, so if I cough, I apologize. He's got really good jump cuts, really good feet. Contact balance, that's probably the main thing that reminds me of, of Kareem Hunt. That was kind of his calling card there. Strength, power, he's got all that. I think he has plenty of agility, and I talk about that in his jump cuts. He shows good patience. Some question is vision. But I think he makes that up with just really good instincts. And he also had some really bad O-line play. So he got hit in the backfield a lot and had to try to make things happen. Kind of like Saquon Barkley he got the vision knock on him last year because he had a bad offensive line and he had to try to make something out of nothing and sometimes bounce things outside when maybe people didn't think he had to. He's a goal line back. I mean, really, he's a every-down back. He's powerful. He can catch the ball. He has good elusiveness, good contact bounce. Like everything I mentioned... So for me, he's the he's the 101 in this class with a good landing spot. You know, as long as he's drafted in the first two days, which I think he'll be a second or third round draft pick. Probably more of a third just because his testing won't be all that great at the combine. And that's something that I don't care about as much at the running back position compared to the wide receiver position. Yeah, David Montgomery's just a super solid, all-around good running back. And I don't really understand the hate that's going on with him. Yeah, so he's he's my one on one with a good landing spot. How do, what do you think about David Montgomery?
0: Yeah, I, I guess that's kind of how I feel about him as well. I'm, I'm really just starting to break into running backs without using draft capital, which I've been really heavily relying on for running backs because draft capital is really important. Um, but some of the things like I've just released and it's coming out tomorrow, so probably after this podcast drops, my market share database for every position. Um, For players since 2000 So you can compare all of these things For the last 18 years That's probably on my Twitter timeline at this point Um, For anyone listening um, So I've been running some initial tests On what's predictive Like looking for a, not a silver bullet But something to give me an edge with draft capital like I do with wide receiver for running back and um, we've talked about different threshold stats for their for their catch ceilings and, and their overall reception market share. When we're looking at prospects last year one of the things that Zach Reed again from the Dynasty Nummies and the author of our theme song likes to point out is that running backs who don't catch at least 30 passes in at least one season you know a, a large majority of them don't become fantasy relevant. David Montgomery did that at age 20 he had a 36 catch season so he meets most of those thresholds that we We've used before, and something that I've just started and including in the database that are released is looking at total offenses production. Like um, college dominator and breakout age are both based on receiving yards and receiving touchdowns, a combination of both for um, for their college offenses. And so what I did is I applied that to um, the rushing yards as well, which I hadn't seen before. It's probably out there and people have been using it, but I just hadn't seen it before. So it's the same thing, but just for the rushing work instead of the receiving work. And then just because I'm me and I was there, I combine them into like a total offensive production. Um, now, these things aren't particularly predictive. I'm not saying I found something that I'm really going to rest my hat on, but I do think, I and mean, I created a model around it, just basically to des- um, to wa- to describe if this player was very productive for his college team. Now, plenty of running backs are really productive for their college team and don't hit it at the NFL level, which is why draft capital and a lot of, I think, the intangibles and the tape um, that you're running off is actually even more important when looking at the running back position. Having given a, an overview of what I'm talking about, um, looking at it, total combined percentage of offensive production, um, David Montgomery's best year was about 37% of the total production for his college team. And putting that in context, the highest scores for the running back position come in around 50%. So, Le'Veon Bell, for example, Matt Forte, and uh, um, Ray Rice uh, were both over 40 or 50% in their best overall total production for their offense. Now, a lot of names around here, like Jaquiz Rodgers um uh, Javon Ringer, Garrett Wolf, who also reached those kind of numbers, which is why I'm not saying it's productive. It's just an idea of how well they produce for their team. But there are also names on here in that 40% category like Aaron Jones. So there is something to it. I think it's a, I think it's a fairly good description of how productive they were for their offense in both the rushing and the receiving game. Rashad Penny came out at 40% Just saying. Around about the same as Dalvin Cook. David Montgomery's percentage best all-round comes in at 37%, like I said. And that's somewhere around players who are both like Marshawn Lynch, who scored 35%, and Giovanni Bernard, who scored 35%. Obviously both very different players. I've also seen uh, Melvin Gordon. He hit a similar height in terms of overall production for his college team. And then there are some more worrying names like uh, Rashad Mendenhall, uh, slightly lower, and Ronnie Hillman, who certainly didn't turn out to be very much in the NFL. What I'm taking away from that is David Montgomery was a very solid running back who produced a large, above-average share for his college team. And so he was a productive running back. And that's the first thing check mark I want on his profile, right? This guy was productive. Wasn't the highest producing running back like a Matt Forte or Leonard Fournette in college, but certainly good enough that he is worth valuing. In this class, he was the most productive Uh, across any measure and like I said he's one of the few that actually crossed the threshold stats that we've talked about before in terms of how many receptions he's got what his overall um, market share of receiving was for his college team so to me he looks like the best productive running back in this class and after that, you have to take in what you're saying about him, which seems similar, an all round back, um, and then we want to know where he lands and if he's going to get opportunity. Um, having said that, you know, uh, Trent Richardson also scored similar. So, like I say, it's a 50 50 bet with production right now. But across the things that I like the most in a running back profile,
2: David Montgomery's got it. Now, just a quick question for you. Now, like, how good would his landing spot to be for him to be your 101? Oh, to be a 101, would he have to go to the Chiefs? In, like, the second round?
0: Like, I, w- I will struggle. If he goes to a great landing spot in the first round, I will struggle between him and Nikhil Harry pretty okay. much anywhere. What's the best landing spot for a running back right
2: now? Like, Tampa yeah, Bay I th- still? I think it's I think it's Kansas City still, absolutely. Oh, I wow. Mean, yeah, yeah. yeah it's <laughs> it's Kansas City. Tampa Bay is a good spot. I think Chicago is actually an underrated spot. I think they could be moving on from Jordan Howard. I think Tariq Cohen fulfills a role, but they have a good offensive line. <laughs> they want to run the ball. I think that's actually a good spot. That's kind of where I want Cream Hunt to go this off season. Uh, but I think that's a that's a good spot.
0: I actually like that point. Um, if he goes to Kansas City, that there's just a lot of X factors with that offense. Mm-hmm. So I think that might put him maybe slightly above Harry. Depends what my team looks like, and sure. I probably just want Harry. But I think it would be fair, okay.
2: right? All right, moving on. Um, moving on. Yeah. Right. All right. So we got uh, David Montgomery out of the way. Let's let's move on. Next running back we're going to be talking about is um, Daryl Henderson. He's a running back out of Memphis. He came out after his junior season. He put up just a monster season. I think he had around 1,900 yards rushing, 22 touchdowns. Um, you know, he had over 20 catches, I believe, multiple years there. Um, you know, PFF loves this guy. He's, a uh, you know, I think he had the most yards after contact. Um it, he was the most efficient running back because he didn't get a ton of volume, so he's just breaking play after play after play after play for Memphis. He's a polarizing guy for me because there's parts that I really like about him, and then there's parts where he scares me because he's a running back that's a, a solid receiver. Um, you know what? He wasn't utilized a ton there at Memphis, but you know showed potential to be used in the screen game. Um, and on some of wheel routes, I didn't see him running a lot of routes. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, he's got good top end speed. He's got really good burst. Um, he's shifty. Um, he bounces things outside a lot. And I don't see him comfortable running inside. And like my biggest knock on him, and I've heard a lot of other people talk about it as well, like the first time I watched this tape, I was like, God, this guy has monster holes to run through. And I talked about it with Rashad Penny last year. I think this this, this is even worse. Like, Daryl Henderson had monster, monster holes to run through. And he does create on his own, and, and he does show good vision, like, at the second level to set up defenders. And he's always looking for cutback lanes, and he does have enough agility to do it. I think people are... He's positive. I think people maybe are overselling... Like how elusive he is. Like I think he's a. I alu- think he's actually a little bit stiff-hipped, for like he's explosive and he's fast. I don't think his jump cuts and, and lateral agility are as good as I, I, people have said. I think he's a little bit stiff there. I think he's going to struggle making those kind of cuts when he doesn't have so much space. He's like a. He's just a boomer bust kind of guy for me. <laughs> I have concerns that he's going to be an every down feature back at the next level, and I feel like. People are definitely draft. Some people are definitely drafting him. Like, he's definitely going to be a feature back. Could he be? Possibly. Like, he's a super explosive guy. Like, that's what I like about him because he has a home run hitting upside. But, like, I don't know how he's going to be used at the next level. Like, that's my biggest concern. Like, I don't know if he's special as a receiving back to be, like, catching 60 balls a year. And I don't. Really don't see any interior running to make me feel like, oh, yeah, he's going to grind the ball. Because he's also a smaller guy. He's 5'9", under 200 pounds. I have some reservations. I just took him in our DLF mock um, at 111. And I didn't love it, but I didn't mind taking that shot there. He's a guy that's intriguing to me. Has a bunch of upside. I just think in the end, he'll probably be outside my top five running
0: backs. Yeah, with Henderson... um... I mean, I mean. The summary is he was productive enough. He'll keep up the rule that productive players are the ones that break out. And he in <laughs> fact breaks out in the NFL, but he's not productive enough. I necessarily think he stands out. Um, again, that points per game model came up with an average score. Like, yeah, he's he's he was productive enough. Had three, I think, two seasons with 20 catches or more. Doesn't break that threshold, but. He's clearly being used. His receptions per game, which is uh, Metrica's using last year, is at 1.7. It's not that much lower than David Montgomery, despite him crossing that 30-catch 30, 30 season threshold. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Henderson was productive enough. I think he's interesting in the right spot. I think he's a really solid second-round pick right now. Like right. I think I'd be pretty happy to yeah, get him there. Yeah, for sure.
2: For sure. I like him much more in that value.
0: Right. But I think right now the conversation is where do you take him in the first? Just because there's so few players that are easy to push in uh, to the first round yes. and his profile's decent. Like, yeah, his best season in combined um, total production I was just talking about. um, there's 28% which again isn't it's you know, plenty of productive backs in the NFL that have had that kind of best season in college can I ask something you said that he bounces a lot outside and also stiff hips I don't know those seem to be common things said about running backs about whether they're going to be good or bad so um, what I was going to ask you is do you have any kind of sense and obviously this isn't you know uh, it's yeah. just an opinion I'm asking you off the cuff you've had no preparation but do you see often that a running back bounces a lot outside in the college and then doesn't stop doing that in the NFL. Do you have a sense if it's 50-50 or they normally I, keep doing it? I have a sense
2: it? that they generally keep doing it. And it's, I mean, okay, like people said it. Well, people said good. it about it with Saquon last year. Like he definitely bounced a lot outside. But again, he had really right. bad offensive line.
0: And he's just so. And this guy's got a really good offensive line, you say. He's
2: so. hes just so freaky, freakily athletic that he could get away with it. And I saw enough when he went downhill, like he had the physicality, he had the potential to run in between the tackles. I think he just knew he could like play around with defenders at Penn State oh, right. there we go. and just like <clears throat> was trying to hit home runs all the time. Um, so I think there's definitely a concern there like we saw with ronald jones a little bit last year you know he had a propensity to bounce things outside
0: and henderson's not jones right henderson uh, just a chip a bit more in there henderson looks a lot better than ronald jones to me because he was used oh sure sure
2: i like him i like him more than ronald jones for sure um but you know with those smaller running backs that don't feel comfortable inside that scares me and like a guy i'm sure we'll get to at some point we talked before we started um, Justice Hill. Oh yeah, he's interesting. Oklahoma State running back. He's a, <clears throat> you know, he's a smaller guy. He's like one ninety five ten, but that dude is elusive, and he feels comfortable running cool. inside the tackles. Um, so for me, it's like, is there that much difference between Justice Hill and Daryl Henderson to like I can get Justice Hill in like the third or late second, where I'm gonna have to draft Daryl Henderson in the mid first right. probably because. A lot of people have him as like their top, uh, top three running back, and I just can't get on that yeah. value. The right spot, I like him. I just don't like him. I know. Like, I like high.
0: that comparison. Actually, if I get, if I have to take Henderson earlier, I'm probably trying to get a Justice Hill later. It's a weird year. It's a weird draft class, and I think Henderson might be someone we end up falling into. Like he's not bad. There are a lot of people that are higher on him than me. Okay. So let's move on to wide receiver. Again.
2: <laughs> no, we got one more. We got one more running back, and we'll touch on him quick because I think we need to speed up just a little bit. Um, next running back we're going to talk about is Rodney Anderson. He's a running back out of uh, Oklahoma. He got hurt last year and um, didn't didn't play at all. You know Rodney Anderson's. He's six one. He's two twenty. So he's got that prototype type of build that you're looking for. He was a guy that I was studying last off season for uh, one of my Debbie leagues, and I really liked him. And I ended up taking Noah Fant over him. But it was close. It's a tight end premium league. I was pretty stacked at running back. I wanted a little more yep. depth at tight end. But it was close. Like, I like Ryan Anderson quite a bit. Um, the My favorite part of his game is he's a really natural receiver. He's got really soft hands. He runs routes. He got passed, you know, they used him in the passing game deep sometimes. He's got a good stiff arm. He's a smooth running back. Good power, good feet, but not, you know, overly agile. Um, doesn't have the high end speed that you might want. Um, good vision inside, outside. (laughs) I put a few running backs here that he kind of reminded me of. He reminded me a little bit of TJ Yeldon, a little bit of Matt Forte in the passing game. I don't know if he's that special, but he's, he's got some passing games chops like that. And even as a runner a little bit or like a poor man's Joe Mixon a little bit. So, um, I know TJ Yeldon and, and, um, Mixon were actually comped by Josh Hermsmeyer a little bit. Um, so I see some similarities in those games. He's a guy that I like. It's going to come down to how healthy he is and what kind of draft capital he gets. Because he was a guy that probably would have been my RB3 with a bullet if he would have been healthy going into this season.
0: Interestingly, he's got a similar problem, issue, whatever, as Josh Jacobs. He didn't play much in his first year. Like you said, he was injured in his second year. He played uh, two games in his first year and two games in his last year. But he was injured in his last year. And But I would say that in the one year that he was healthy that you were just talking about, he was productive especially for that being his only year and um, hit 23 percent of the total offense and um, which is decent you know um i think adjusting that for only having played one year slightly above josh jacobs for example and i like that you're seeing some positive things from him on film as well obviously you're gonna have jacobs over him because you're really high on jacobs so you're seeing more mm-hmm. but um I, I can say that he did more in the one productive year that he had but again production is sure i'm not i'm not going to dig in yeah, as hard I'm, with the running back um he's going to be 22 um, so that's good
2: yeah i think people are going to fight fight his receiving skills a little bit i mean he only had 17 receptions in that one that's year that's pretty that he good played. for
0: his only year um, i keep coming back to that like that's, yeah, that's
2: decent yeah it's not it's not a glaring thing but just Watching how comfortable he was catching the football just gave me a lot of confidence in that aspect. Yeah, of it's like
0: five percent of the team's receptions, um, mm. which obviously isn't great. Yeah.
2: But um, I kind of like him. I like him as um, yeah. No, that's me dumb. I think but, I think if I can get him, if I can get him, well, again, it's going to be all medical and where he right. goes. But I mean, he's a, he might be a guy that I look at the in the late oh, first okay. that I'm definitely interested in the right circumstance. Definitely in the second. Um, you know, again, with the right <laughs> circumstance. Um, <clears throat> like I said, he probably would have been my three. So if everything falls right, I mean, he is definitely has a chance to get back in that top five. But I'm not saying he's there right now just because I think there's too many question marks.
0: I'm a lot more comfortable with that being a coin flip for you than Montgomery and Jacobs, for example. Um, but, you know, uh, it's neither here nor there. I'm, I'm happy to move on. I don't think I have much
2: more to add on Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> um, Perfect. Yeah, we're gonna. Why don't we just move uh, down to wide receiver? We're gonna talk about old Old Miss uh, wide receiver AJ Brown. He, you know, we talked about DK last week. You know, AJ Brown's was the much more productive player mm-hmm. in that offense. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a guy that I've been knocking a little bit, <clears throat> and it's mostly just to fight narratives. Like, <clears throat> what happens when I see like a narrative? go in one direction or the other, I feel uh, I feel like a need to fight against the narrative. So <clears throat> when I saw a lot of people saying A.J. Brown's a wide receiver one in this class, um, I just I don't see that. Now, even though I knock on parts of his game, that doesn't mean I don't like him, and it doesn't mean he's not a top four wide receiver for me, um, because I do think he's a solid player. I just don't like – I don't see him being – the wide receiver, one or two in this class for sure. Um, you want to put him in the three, three or four, where you're getting him in the mid first. I don't hate that, um, but I just wanted to throw that out there. As far as what you see on tape, I mean, he's a he's a big dude. I mean, he's six one. He's like 230 pounds. So he's a really thick body dude. And we, honestly, we haven't seen a lot of players like him because he's a slot wide receiver. Um, I don't see him playing outside in the NFL. I don't think he has athleticism. That's part of my knocks on him. I don't think he has great speed. I don't think he has great agility. I don't think he's a great route runner. <laughs> um,
0: he's not good at this. But, this. This. Is he good at anything? <laughs>
2: no, he's he's very good at okay. several things. Um, you know, he's he, like I said, he's a really strong dude. Um, he's really good at yards after contact, uh, yards after catch, because. And it's not really because he's an athlete. He just outmuscles people like he's got a really good stiff arm. You know, He's he's athletic enough to make people miss. At least he was in college. I don't know if he's going to be athletic enough in the NFL, but we'll see. But when you play that slot role, you usually have more space. <coughs> when you have more space, it's a little bit easier to create. He's got really good field awareness good contact balance. You know, some of my other concerns is just um, he never faced press really in college, and he had a lot of free releases, and he was the first read in that offense. I just, I don't know what he is as a route runner, and I don't know if he can beat press. Now, if he's in the slot, he's probably not going to face a lot of press-made coverage, so that might not be a huge worry. So if he's used right, if he goes to the right situation, I think he can be definitely a solid player. I. I question his upside. I question what he can be in the NFL. I don't know if he can be more than a low-end wide receiver two at his max. But I like him. He's just he's a he's one of those guys that other people are a little bit higher on than I am. I think, and he's probably a guy that I'm I would be avoiding at his current price.
0: Yeah, AJ Brown's interesting in that having come to my the end of my initial evaluation process, like pre-draft pre-combine, I'm I'm usually able to be one way or the other with wide receivers, mostly for fun, partly because you have got to make decisions as Jake likes to say. AJ Brown's one of those guys that ended up just sitting on the fence for me, and that's fairly rare at the wide receiver mm. position. Um he was productive, he was good. Um, age 19 and 20 at age 19 he didn't do much of anything he had 9.2% of the combined receiving yards and touchdowns but at 20 and 21 he had over 30% both years over 35% age at 20 now typically you like it to continue to go up and you like his age 21 season to be the most productive year he ever has and and while that's a knock there's not a great correlation like if you run a linear regression to doing better or worse in your last year to success in the NFL like it's, it's not great but it's just just an eyeball test. Like plenty of players do worse in their last year and then still do well in the NFL. So I can't knock him too hard over 30 cents definitely breaks um, the age curve, age-adjusted production curve at both of those ages. He broke out at age 20, which again is just right on that fence. There has been a lot of talk with Miss, good old old Miss, with DK Metcalf, with DeMarcus Lodge, um, who I'm not overly interested in. There there were a lot of targets getting shared around there, but players usually able to distance themselves uh, even together above the average um, if they're NFL level good, and AJ Brown did that. no honestly there's a risk and the reason I'm on the fence here is I want to be able to say, if there was a wealth of other players that I liked, I'd be like, ah, I'm willing to let someone else take AJ Brown. Um, and there is, a, there is a mass of players in the similar type of region that have stronger opinions on them, Brown. But honestly, AJ Brown's one of those players who could end up being, like, one of those players that does well in his rookie year, shoots up draft boards, and we're all like, ah, this was a better class than we thought it was, and everyone who didn't like him has missed, and we'll trash talk each other on Twitter about it. He could go that way, or just be, you know, not 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 very interesting at all. Um it's interesting that you call him a slot receiver at a time when that usage of the slot receivers, number one receivers are increasingly being pushed into the slot. Um but mm-hmm. it's normally a, a better well-rounded player that gets pushed into the slot to get a matchup advantage. A player that specifically is best playing in the slot, I don't know that necessarily works for AJ Brown. So for me, it's going to depend a lot. I Again, I hate towards to this. It's going to depend a lot on where he gets drafted and what I think of his situation. Um, I'm willing to like him mm-hmm. over a lot of other players, but if it comes down to him and Harmon, I'm going to lean on the earlier breakout age and the better market shares at earlier ages and stuff like that. But I, I'm i on yeah. the fence. So, yeah, that, that's where I am with Brown. I'm fine with him being a mid-to-late first-round pick at this point. I
2: know this is a tough question, but do, do you just... Um... Try, yeah. Trying to forecast, where would he? Where would AJ Brown rank for you in terms of last year's uh, wide receiver class? Uh, yeah. Behind Calvin uh, Ridley, yeah,
0: definitely behind Calvin Ridley. Okay. Um so behind
2: DJ Moore, Christian Kirk. Corlin Sutton.
0: I probably would have been on the fence with those.
2: Yeah, so would I. I think both of us were a little bit lower on Sutton. I definitely would have said Sutton over AJ Brown. Good. I mean that that's what this class is shaking out to me. Like guys that should be like early mid second round picks are like mid first round picks. And it is what it is. I mean, it's not like you can do anything about that. But that just doesn't get me excited about these guys. Who's next? Yeah, we're gonna talk about uh, North Carolina State wide receiver. Calvin Harmon, uh, he's the guy that's uh, 6'3", 215 pounds in that range. He's, he's another guy that I, I was a little bit lower on than I thought the consensus was because there was a lot of talk that he was the wide receiver one in this class, and I just, I just, I just don't see that. <clears throat> I think he's a really solid wide receiver. I just don't. He's another guy where I, I question his upside, and if you're spending an early first round draft pick, I. Like, all these draft picks, like, depending on how people value them, if you can get a known commodity, like, in the startup range of where you should be able to get him like, if you can get a top 35 player for, you know, an early-ish first-round pick where you're going to take Harmon, I definitely would rather have that top 35 player. Um, that doesn't mean that I don't like him. It's just I don't like him where you're going to have to take him. Um, as far as who he is as a, as a player – He's a solid route runner. <coughs> I don't think he's extraordinary, but he's really smooth, um, smoothing it out of his breaks. Doesn't run a complete route tree, um, but but I think he I think he can. Um, I think he's really smooth there. Um, he's a guy that really wins in contested situations and with his play strength. Um, you know, he has a my ball mentality, which I, I personally like. I just don't see him separate <coughs> anywhere deep. And then he gets thrown a lot of deep balls in college, but he's just broken coverage. I don't see him, you know, so many times when you see him get the ball thrown to him, if it's not like a soft zone or he's just picking apart the zone, which he is good at, you know, he's good at finding and being deceptive in zones <coughs> and creating holes in space for himself when he's against man coverage. I just don't see him create a whole lot of separation. So that's a concern for me. Can I
0: ask um, like just from a non tape grinder Right, I heard you say something similar mm-hmm. about AJ Brown to Kelvin Harmon and I've heard you say it about um, Nicky or Harry too that they're physical that they're strong and they're able to muscle their way to the ball sometimes instead of maybe doing it with footwork um, yeah. and it seems to me that you're, yeah. you're valuing that higher or lower for each different player like you're still higher on um, Harry Still lower on AJ Brown, so is there something about the way they're doing that that makes you like like the way they do it or not like the way they do it? Sure,
2: yeah, absolutely, and I think it's a good it's a good question. You know, I have questions about athleticism for AJ Brown. I have questions for Nikhil Harry. I have bigger questions for AJ Brown, and the thing about Nikhil Harry. <clears throat> He's, a, he's an absolute beast and a monster in that right. area, Like as far as contested catches go. Um, he's an absolute monster, and I don't think A.J. Brown is that level. Like, A.J. Brown's physical. He's strong. I think Nikhil Harry's just in a different ballpark. I, I have concerns about both of them with their athletic limitations, um, but that's why I'm higher on Harry than I am A.J. Brown. I also think Harry's a better athlete for his for his size. So the way their muscling does look different. <laughs> um, hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just different levels of where they win with what uh, attributes, you know. Uh, getting back to Harmon, um, I, I question him against um, press man coverage. Again, I think he has good footwork. I think he has good moves at the line of scrimmage when he's, you know, getting pressed. But again, I don't know if he has the athleticism to really create a lot of separation. Once he gets that first step on defenders, you know, he's really good on free releases. When he's not getting pressed, He's super, you know, he's not super explosive, but he's explosive getting in and out of his breaks. He's explosive off the line. He's just super smooth. Smooth is probably my adjective for how he plays. He's a really smooth player. Um, and he's a really good, willing blocker. Like, you don't see that with a lot of wide receivers. He doesn't take any plays off, which I really like. Like, A.J. Brown, that's another knock I have on him. He takes plays off, like, in the run game. If he's not getting the ball, he's just, just kind to Stands there. He doesn't run his routes and he's you're not gonna do that in the NFL for sure, especially out of the slot position. Um Calvin Harmon doesn't take any plays off and he's you know, he takes a lot of pride in his run blocking. I don't know if he's all that great, honestly. Um, but he's you see him every run play. He tries to go out and, you know, get his man, set up his his his, his run blocking lanes for his running back. So um I like to see that. So he's a guy with the high motor that cares about football a lot. Um, good player I just I i don't know what to think Like is he Is he Like a Poor man's Marvin Jones Maybe
0: I actually really like Kelvin Harmon um, He's more Receiver 2 right now As far as I have ranks um, Just based on production He's the only other player That clearly stands out As doing well Each year Without taking any time off Without being injured Blow sure. Harry by You know A significant degree But I'm gonna Team up with my man J. Mike uh From the open bar Who I think had him Higher than Harry Which is crazy But, um, yeah, I really like uh, Harmon. He had 19.3 combined receiving yards and touchdowns in his first year. is like standing on the border of an age 18 breakout, so I'm just going to give it to him because no one else is even close in this class. Um, Like I like Greg Dortch. I like Andy Isabella from a profile standpoint, but they both did it a little later. I only have two years of Dortch, and they just get dinged here and there, and Harmon doesn't. Um, Similar to Harry, his production is kind of pristine, it's just a little lower than Harry's overall, so I, I really like Harmon. I think I think this is a player I like a lot. Um, I don't mind reaching for him, especially in this class. So um, yeah, I, sure. like I got I could go on more, but I think I'm pretty. Like I don't want to do my usual run on. Um, yeah, I like Harmon. I think he's got a, a pretty good profile
2: here. I just wanted to touch back. Like I, I see a lot of similarities where like I like this player but uh, there's another player that kind of reminds me of that player that I can get, like, right. two rounds later. Um, and uh, Keyshawn Johnson would probably be uh, that guy for me. Um,
0: I like Keyshawn as well.
2: Out of Fresno State. I, yeah, and I know he had uh, some good metrics and breakout age. So um, I actually just watched some more tape on him tonight, and it kind of reminded me of Calvin Homer a little bit. So he's a guy that I think you can get two rounds later that's not that much different as a you know from a trade standpoint from what I see. Um, and again, that we were talking before we started. I think for me, wide receivers, you know, out of running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, wide receivers definitely the hardest position for me to scout. <laughs> I think it's the hardest position to see translate. I try to do what I do, but I do think it's difficult for me. It's definitely my most challenging out of those three positions. Quarterback's obviously difficult as well. Um, but yeah. I still try to do what I do, and, you know, I've hit on some. I'm not awful, but it's definitely uh, my my percentage isn't as good with wide receivers, and that's and that's why I lean on um, your kind of analysis, especially for the wide receiver position.
0: Oh, you like Ridley? That worked out. Um, yeah, I just went out again. When I say above average, it maybe doesn't do it justice. Like the. It's it's rare that you get you hit these marks. That's why I like them. Like not every college player does, and that doesn't mean every college player is bad. There's still some good players in there. But this guy, it, it's really positive. All right, um, tight ends. Tight ends. Let's do it. <laughs> <coughs> do you need to take a moment, by the way, to get a drink or anything? Cause you're really no nothing's gonna help.
2: Okay, <laughs> I drank like sixty ounces of water since we've been talking. It's just like. I, th- I thought I was feeling better until I've talked for an hour straight, and I'm realizing my throat's just not there yet.
0: I, I don't want to work you today. No, dance. it's
2: fine. We'll, we'll, we'll push through. Just, so we're going to get to these tight ends, and, and it's funny, it, and it's very rare, and I can't think of the last time this has been the case, but um, the top two tight ends, kind of the consensus, not for everybody, but I would say most people, are TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant, and they just happen to play for the same team. Um which is just a really funny thing. Noah Fant's a guy that you know has been talked about in Devi circles for a couple of years, and TJ Hawkinson just exploded onto the scene this past year and just kind of outplayed Noah Fant from a production standpoint and a play play percentile standpoint. So <laughs> TJ Hawkinson is a you know is a tight end from Iowa. He's six five, like two fifty. I think a lot of people are going to give him the. George Kittle benefit because you know George Kittle played for Iowa and now T.J. Hawkinson plays for Iowa and they're both white um, and they're good athletes. Like <laughs> I don't want to undersell T.J. Hawkinson because he's a really good player and um, I heard a lot about him and then I finally watched his tape a few weeks back and I was like, wow! Like I was I was I was really impressed. Like I didn't think he would be as good as the hype was surrounding him. Um, you know, he he's a really good overall tight end, which some people put more emphasis on blocking than others. Uh, but he is a good, really good blocker when he gets initiated with the defender. Um, I will say sometimes he does get lost, and sometimes he does whiff on those blocking assignments. But when he does engage, super powerful, super aggressive, you know, plays to the whistle, drive his opponent as long as he can. He's a mean dude in the blocking game. Um, So, you know, props to that. He's going to probably be on the field quite a bit. Let's see, underrated athlete, you know, he can win deep, which, you know, I don't know if people understand – that he is a guy that's probably going to run in the 4-6 range.
0: Hawkinson, um, sorry, just to cut in and try and give you a break there. Um, he actually has a higher yards per reception over his entire college career. He played fewer years, fewer games, has a higher receptions per game. There was actually a few just raw stats that looked like Hawkinson might be a more explosive player. He actually has almost the exact same yardage with eight fewer games. And that, again, leads into a higher yards mm-hmm. per reception. And all of that's pretty yeah. impressive. It's interesting that those two match up. He definitely seems to be
2: yeah it's just i think it's like and we'll get to fant here in a, in a second but like like hawkinson's like a, a really good athlete but i think fant is just like <laughs> a freak show of an athlete so he makes hawkinson not look as athletic as he is and he is super athletic like he hurdles some dudes like jumps like four feet in the air over some guys and he's he's got some really good yak ability like run after the catch he's like really good and he can high point a little bit he's got relatively soft hands solid route runner in and out of his breaks you know not running a lot of routes but just smooth there he's kind of an h-back style i mean i think that's part of like he wears number 38 so it just kind of looks like he's an h-back too I don't know if I'd go as far as George Kittle there. You know, I was thinking a little bit Owen Daniels, which I might not get people excited but I don't think people understand how good Owen Daniels was when in his in his prime. Yeah.
0: Like a, a he was great a really player. good
2: pass catcher. Um right. now TJ might be a better blocker but um you know, Owen Daniels was a hell of a player when when in his prime. So I could see a little George Kittle. I just I don't want people to have that level of expectation because you know George Kittle just has almost fourteen hundred yards receiving. <laughs> like <laughs> it's not gonna happen. And um, you know, the thing is TJ Hawkinson is probably gonna go in like the top fifteen picks of the NFL draft. So he was actually a guy in that DLF mock where I was debating between him Fant, henderson and i think there's a couple other guys um but like in my head like i was doing another mock just a startup mock so like snake was in my brain so i was like i'll just take henderson here i'll take fant or hawkinson in the next and i was like oh duh it's a fucking rookie draft you idiot (coughs) so i obviously didn't get either of them and i didn't see where they went but i think they were both on the board in the mid-second which i was like wow like i don't care if it's a non-premium position like Hawkinson and Fant, I think, deserve right. to go before the mid-second. Um, especially it's, in especially this draft class. This like draft class. like <laughs> I think you can argue in the mid to late first. Um, uh, Hawkinson's a guy that I was really impressed with. I like him a lot. He's definitely putting some heat on Fant. Like, I've been a Fant fan for a long time, so I have a little bit of bias there and a little trepidation of allowing the new sexy toy to just take over. It's kind of like the Josh Jacobs. Like, I really like Josh Jacobs, but I've liked David Montgomery for a long time. But I think I have Fant just a little bit higher. Um, I'm just going to talk a little bit about Fant, and then you can just go so I can be done talking. He's going (laughs) to destroy the combine. Like, destroy the combine. He is Evan Ingram plus athletically uh, from a testing standpoint. Now, I think Evan Ingram was a little more fluid in his routes, a little more, definitely more of a refined player coming out of college but they're kind of the similar kind of players like Noah Fant barely ever blocked you know if he played in line he was going on on routes he you know he played the big slot position quite a bit I think he has a strength to improve in the blocking game but again they had two other blocking tight ends that were really good so I don't know if they just didn't use him there (coughs) I think that's an area that you can improve in Zach Ertz improved there Gronk improved tremendously over his career so I think he has a chance to do that um, he's just like an ultra athlete. He's got easy speed, easy separation, super smooth player. You know, somewhat of an average route runner. You know, not sophisticated, nuanced route runner. But again, a lot of tight ends aren't. He's got really good hands. He can high point the ball. Uh, he's just an imposing cheat code, like at the position. So the range of outcomes is probably a little bit higher with a guy like Fant, But. The upside is, like, astronomical. It's definitely, like, top five tight end in the elite. I'll let you go.
0: <laughs> Great. Um, I really don't know where to, where to start with these guys. And I'm torn because um, I'm willing to be persuaded based off just what you see and what you like. And you like Hawkinson more, but everything you said about Frank <laughs> sounds fantastic. So, I mean, yeah. I'm with you. These are the two clear best tight ends um, in the class for me. There are a few that graded out as more predicted to be more productive in the first three years. And um, based on that tight end model, pre-draft tight end model I made, but, where I'm not seeing it as a predictive model, just a description of how productive they are, I'm willing to go against it fairly easily. And I, just looking at through their numbers, I ended up liking Fant a little bit more, and so I'm torn now because everything you said about Fant was great. No,
2: I don't know if I do. I, I still think I have Fant at tied at one. You're torn too. Um, that's all I'm saying. Like Fant is my Montgomery, and Hawkinson is my Josh Jacobs. Yeah.
0: Perfect. Uh, and what I'd say is I'm probably never going to get Fant if any, If they start making Kittle comparisons. The minute those kind of comparisons come out, like this is the next Alvin Kamara, this is the next George Kittle, I immediately start to slide on him because if the question is will they or won't they do this thing that this other great player did, the answer is almost 99% of the time no, even though Fant looks fantastic. um, He has the lowest total receiving yards height of both of them, where he only had, um, his best year, he had 518 receiving yards, Hawkinson had had 717, but Fant had higher market share, so percentage of the team's receiving yards. He had a 30% season, whereas Hawkinson only managed a 25-point season. Um, Having tested tight ends a little more uh, strenuously um, compared to running back, I can tell you that age doesn't, uh, it's almost, like the NFL, that it's easy to accept because we know what happens to them in the NFL. Like, Doing well early isn't nearly as important as doing very well at some point um, for the tight end position. And there are so many players that come in, just play one year, have middling production, and then turn out to be Jimmy Graham. The production itself falls down a little bit. But for the tight ends that are good, being productive is still a lot better than not being productive. Both of these guys were productive enough that they look good. And like I say, they come out Uh, towards the top of that model and they're the only two players when I take their full profile where they played how much they like in film how much they liked for the draft they're the only two players that I think um, come close to being the top of this class um, and so I'm easy I'm happy for it to be a coin flip I'd probably play f- Liam Fant just because of that height and the percentage of his team's production he did play all three years as well so we have a little more sample size of him being good and over average for the tight end position um, which he was at age 19 and 20 A little underproductive at 18 but again age doesn't necessarily matter for the tight end position as much um, Hawkinson comes in a little late and I don't know his all American <laughs> story I'm sure Jake will fill me in at some point but um, I'm assuming just because it happens to a lot of tight ends that he was busy doing something else, whereas Fan maybe has been trying to be a tight end. You know, that's what he was in college for. Maybe he had a little less... He, he wasn't playing basketball or baseball or, you know, um dominating his um, engineering class or whatever it was Hawkinson was up to. So, yeah, I kind of lean Fant. I love the athletic comparisons, but I don't think I'm going to get him. Um, mostly, I'm going to rely on this production model, which tells me these are the two to aim for. More There are a lot of other interesting names. And I'll lean Fant over Hawkinson, which means I'll probably get Hawkinson because everyone's going to think Fant is Kittle. And then I'm going to lean on my end. NFL rules right and um, so in three years both of these guys are going to be cheaper on the waiver wire and I'm going to want them on my team and so that's the way I'm going to go with it remember if you draft a rookie tight end if you want Gronk Graham and Tony Gonzalez and um, then you're going to have to take them early and hope they're just one of those rare true blue breakouts early like a Kittle, um he's done it early enough or like a Evan Ingram If not, you're locking yourself in to it was not worth drafting them unless you're willing to let them burn a roster spot for three years and then maybe see what they do, (laughs) right, to see if their opportunities have improved, see if they've earned a place in the offense. I will say that Fant's probably going to look good from a lot of different comparisons, like a receiving college dominator, which I'm also tracking with this database, Um, Fant in my calculation comes out with a 27 percent college dominator which is a combined of a combination of his best and his worst year and receiving yards and receiving touchdowns hawkinson comes in slightly less because i actually adjust for how many seasons they played as well so i think fans going to be like the guy most run out for especially with what jake's saying with what they're likely to do at combine so um hawkinson's looking like the guy i'll end up taking and um, can I ask you when when you you know you've recovered <laughs> um, <laughs> and you're back to full health and um, the other thing I know or I want for NFL tight ends um I really don't look at physical measure measurables till the combine, because that's when we get the official measurables, right? For NFL tight ends there is a slight correlation with tight ends that are over six three, six four, but mostly I want them to be over 250 pounds. Any guesses if one or the other is easily going to pass or fail that? And kind of a threshold? They're
2: going to be around there. They're going to be around there. I think they're they're both around that 250, 240 to 250 mark.
0: Like even Jimmy Graham a receiving tight end kind of meets that threshold and, you know,
2: it's a threshold start. So,
0: you know, ne- never bet your life on it, but... Um, Hold if... on,
2: I can look that up. Uh, Hawkinson's listed 6'5", 243, and I think Noah Fant is almost identical from a height-weight standpoint. Yeah,
0: 243 is a little low just as a threshold stat, but it's not like it's... Uh, like, I've taken fly-offs. That's why he... Rem-
2: he... He reminds me of an back a, a little bit Alright um, But again, Fant is pretty similar I think um, But you know, Fant, the com-
0: and that's why I don't track it until the combine Because they might come in 10 pounds heavier, 10 pounds lighter at that point But that's something to watch for
2: I have Fant at six four two thirty two, But I think that's lighter than what he is But that's, I mean, Evan Ingram was right around there
0: Yeah, uh, there are a few Like Evan Ingram is below that 250 I think But uh, So it's definitely not going to turn me off I don't refuse to be interested in him um like uh Gerald Everett is um a little lighter than I'd like. Um, but I'll still have him when he's free or on the waiver wire. or right? I get him a third round rookie draft. <laughs> um, these two are more interesting than that. But I really hope they come in heavier at the combine than uh, than two thirty. Yeah, I
2: think he's probably gonna be in that two thirty five range.
0: Close as we can fantastic. get, man. Close as we can get, the better it is. <laughs> I hear you. But he's
2: gonna he's gonna test like a wide receiver. That's true. That's...
0: An explosive wide receiver. <laughs> there's gonna be um, conversion talk, no doubt. This guy can play wide receiver. Anything I missed? Anything we uh, want to cover on? Any of those seven guys? I don't think
2: so, man. I, my voice is shot. All right. <laughs> jo- Jake's voice says
0: we're done, and I'm willing to Um, so let us know if you enjoyed the fast paced which was not fast paced because we don't do that but much, many more prospects jammed in here before the combine before the draft it might be a fun way to deal with some of these prospects that we'll probably have to look at again when we do know um, more about them and what's going to happen to them with the NFL uh, contact us at the Dynasty uh, Dino Crossroads Twitter handle uh, or either of our apps on Twitter as well I hope you've enjoyed uh, your time here at the Crossroads with us I have had fun like I always and I will see you next week.
2: Later.
1: Yeah! Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play, run, fold, so. Jake on the table, and ape on the play. so. Pete enumerates the plays they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars Dropping bombs without no borders, dick got that eye, I like mortar Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore I am at a crossroads Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road Go clicking a pole, Twitter is gold, play run So Jake on the table and they on the a though. He did it's a the place they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road. Go click and a poll, Twitter is gold, play run So Jake on the table and they on the a place though. He did it's a the place they're analytical.
2: I cough, I apologize
0: You're at the um, uh, the and um,
2: Just saying I feel like a need to fight against the narrative
0: Good old Harry. I I don't wanna work it you to death.
2: But we'll give you <coughs> sorry. The idiot. <coughs> sorry. I, I don't wanna work you to death. I feel like I need to fight against the narrative.